Howdy folks, Craig here. This episode we have some players from the newly minted US meta in Eastern Virginia. In a few short months, while Malifaux was still in beta, this group went from two to three players to well over a dozen. They reveal how they built a meta from nothing, and anyone wanting to start or grow a meta will find this very revealing. Please note that the language in this episode is a little more adult than we usually have, so be advised. But before we jump in, our friends at Gadzooks Gaming have a sweet offer for all of our US and Canadian listeners. Gadzooks Gaming has always been a big supporter of the third floor in games like Malifaux, Wild West Exodus, Dark Age, Frostgrave, and Legion. What makes them my favorite online retailer is the customer service and their amazing custom terrain and accessories. They are giving all of our North American listeners free shipping if you spend $100 or more and then enter in the promo code THIRDFLOOR, spelled out T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R. Check them out at gadzooksgaming.com. The details are in the show notes. Now on to the episode. I want a good rule set. I want it to be deep. I want it to be fun and competitive at the same time. It's hard to beat Malifaux. So, uh, yeah, me and... um my girlfriend, we actually just blew probably six hundred dollars on miniatures. You know, we just bought everything. We were kind of like, ah, this is a little messy. That uh, if this is getting cleaned up here in like a year, maybe we need to put it put it on the back burner. And it's kind of what happened until about three months ago, I guess. Yeah, until the beta, we got really excited about the beta. Can you kind of walk me through how it expanded from just three of you to where you are now? Oh, that's weird. They don't have dice over there. What are they doing with those decks of cards? Uh, let's start asking some questions. But in the game itself, what's trying people is the strats and the schemes. Things better than stepping away from the screens, unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play, or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're talking with a group of players that have emerged from the Virginia Beach area. Now, as we see Malifaux 3rd Edition released, I'm sure many of you are anxious to get a strong meta community growing in your area. You see, months ago, there was virtually nobody playing Malifaux in Eastern Virginia. Now there's a very active meta there, and they're excited about 3rd Edition Malifaux. So what I hope to do is to find out what and how this happened. Hopefully, we can learn a few tips and strategies on how to create a healthy or larger meta in your own area. Now, our guests today are Oliver Borden, Gavin Schober, and Nicholas Alanis. Now, Oliver, you were the first person I connected with in your area. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a background on, uh, about you as a gamer? And, uh, of course, welcome to the third floor. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been a nerd my entire life, I guess. Uh, at some point, I decided to 
it was a good idea to start uh, playing with miniatures. And uh, I started with D&D and stuff. And then eventually I was like, Warhammer's cool. And then I was like, Warhammer's really expensive. And, uh, <laughs> <other trimmer games. laughs> what, uh, now was that 40K or was it uh, fantasy? Oh, it was fantasy before the Great Fires. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I would have to say if there's any game that has fed Malifaux, uh, more than anything, it's been Warhammer Fantasy. That is by far the most common game uh, that uh, was kind of the the gateway drug uh, to Malifaux. Um, oh, yeah. So many of the top competitive players came from Fantasy. I think it was just everyone's gateway drug. I mean, right. we all started with Warhammer, basically, right? I mean, we saw these cool models in in a, in a store, and we're like, "Wow, this is this is crazy." Yeah, they were pushing plastic crack, so it was just like. <laughs> Got to be doing that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, never, I never got into it. Um, and part of it was, is I, you know, my gateway was, was 40K. And it, especially towards the end there with fantasy, it got so expensive to, yep. to have an army in fantasy. All right. So, uh, Gavin, uh, can you give our listeners uh, your gaming background? And welcome to the third floor. Holy moly. Uh, my gaming background spans far too long, like 18 years. I've been playing... I started playing 40K when I was 10 or younger, I think. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing games forever, and I've played pretty much everything under the sun. Um, I started 40K, Fantasy, did that uh, until War Machine came out, and then got really into that for a while. And then I moved on to, like, card games for a little stint, did Magic, and then couldn't stand that anymore. And now I'm back to uh, to nice tabletop games. I, I started playing Infinity about two, three years ago. Yeah, about three, yeah, three yeah. years ago. Yeah, and uh, now now I just kind of dabble in everything. So yeah, but so but between Magic and uh, Warhammer Fantasy, I assume you also hate money. I do. I, do. I really hate it. <laughs> we all do. We're all Magic players. Yeah, it's rough. yeah. I like. I see money. I'm like, that's the enemy. Capitalism is the enemy, and I have to get rid of my money. That's uh, funny. And then I have to seize the means of production, and that is the only out. Oh, we felt so far. Yeah, that's funny. How, how about you, Nick? Can you give us a little bit of a background? Yeah. Um, so I've been a Magic player like forever, and since I was also like ten. And then I've only actually been playing miniatures for the past four or five years. And actually, my first game was Infinity. That's like kind of what got me into it. But I'm not like, well, that game is not great anymore. So <laughs> we're playing some Alpha now. Yeah, it's great. Alpha is so great. <laughs> I don't lose in five minutes. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you rolled for first player. All right, that's a good game. Go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> so I actually want to dive into that a little bit, Nick, because you know I've we've had here in the North Carolina meta, we've had a good number of Warm Hordes players uh, recently. Uh, you know, jump over to Malifaux and I've heard kind of what their frustrations have been with that game, but that's the first I've heard of there being frustrations around affinity. Can you kind of give me an idea what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, it's, it's something I've actually talked about a bunch because like we all actually kind of play a little competitively. Like we actually travel to tournaments. We traveled to Adepticon last year. Was it? Yeah, it was last yeah. year. Yeah. So last year just to play in the affinity event, but like over time they've just kind of updated the game and it's changed enough to a point where like the first player has so much more advantage. They're way more likely to win the game. The thing you, the, the reason why you probably don't hear anything about that is just so most of the players are really casual about it. They just want to play the game. Um, 
Yeah, I, I explored the game um, because I thought the minis were interesting, though the metal kind of turned me off a little bit. Um, but I thought that the setting seemed cool. The um, the sculpts looked cool. Uh, I liked the, uh, the style of terrain and the amount of terrain I thought was real attractive. But holy Christmas, that rule book is out of control. Well, yeah, yeah, layers and layers of rules. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. Do we want an hour of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, I'm we not can, really we sure. can do this. We can uh, do this deep dive. The long and short yeah. is that it was written in Spanish and then it's translated into English. And there's a lot of people who are very focused and it's on written rules. for people who take rules more as a, a like a interpretation. Yeah, guide. Really, they're not they're not rules lawyers over there. They're kind of like oh, you kind of play by you feel. And then when you bring up these like really complicated situations and how their rules stack, they go what. Why are, you, <laughs> like, why are you asking that? Yeah, why, yeah, why does that yeah. exist? And you're like, well, it's in your rule book. And they go, oh, not in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oops. yeah. Yeah, the, the people that love the game, um, there's a lot of p- people I know that, you know, really love the game and I respect them as gamers. Um, and, and they and they, they do, they love it. Um, and, you know, I just, I just never, I, the, the way I approach a game and the way I get into a game is usually it's the models that get me in first. So it fin- if, if, with infinity, check mark on that. And then, you know, kind of the fluff and the setting. I thought, okay, uh, a little weird, a little interesting, but all right, I'm, you know, I'm smoking what you're growing. Let's keep, let's keep talking. And then I always, you know, get my hands on the rules and start reading the rules. And that's when infinity lost me. Um, and then watching some people play and it's, it seemed like they either had to have a tablet or three or three or four different rule books, you know, at their disposal. So, uh, but that's being said, the people that I know and respect as gamers that love the game, love that game. And we did for a long time. I mean, the, the, and there's actually still, I think a lot of love in it. Like we, we, there's a, there's there's an enjoyment of playing it. And when you get a good game of infinity, it's like, it's almost like a, a totally different experience. Right. But the problem is. To get that good game, a lot of weird things have to happen because yeah. your first player has to be of either a not a competitive mindset, so they kind of have to bumble around a little bit, and make in, like inactive decisions on their first turn, which happens a lot. Again, why a lot of the problems of that game are not explored in depth. Uh, but when you get two good players, it's sort of like, all right, who goes first? All right, I'm going to alpha strike you, and unless something weird happens with your interactions on my first turn, it's going to be really bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's really rough. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, it, but it's weird because it's again, it's a it's a problem that won't ever get addressed because the majority of your community does not See focus in. They don't hone in on how to really min max their turn. They kind of they, they like half their activations will be kind of do nothings or really awkward positioning things that they think is that are good but end up being pretty irrelevant. They, they don't come into the game with that Warhammer fantasy mentality. Yeah, or that. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm a classic 40k player, fourth ed, fourth and fifth ed. Yeah, yeah. Or just a magic yeah. player mentality. I think yeah. that's a lot of our our focus on, and I think this is part of the reason Nick and I enjoyed the beta for Malifaux so much is our focus on crunchy rules. Like, if I look at a rule, and this is one of the things I love about third, just jumping into that is like the rules are, are you know, X does X, Y does Y, X does X everywhere, Y does Y everywhere, and you're getting into places in infinity that are just kind of wonky. And I think we got to the point where we're like, okay, it's been three years and we're looking up a rule book every time. And we're the people who invented our meta there. And we're the people who, you know, been playing this game consistently week after week. And we still have to pull out a rule book every five minutes. Yeah. We're certainly the people who care about the minutia of the game more. 
Like we're, we're not just we're not thinking we're not thinking about a game only when we're at the table. We're thinking about a game all week. Oh, we're all obsessed. Uh, yeah, and yeah, we're all we're kind of like that. Like, oh, that weird thing happened. How do I make sure that weird thing doesn't happen? But yeah, I, I, but again, I think actually what attracted me to uh, to Malvo is uh, I, I love smaller model sizes. I mean, the, first off, miniature the miniatures alone. You see a painted Malvo miniature; it's unreal. It's so gorgeous. There's dynamic. There's a lot going on on the table. Um, but then the turn structure in and of itself kind of prevents the first player from dominating you. You know, it becomes a lot closer to a chess game where maybe first player has like a 0.1% ahead or something, but that will even fluctuate in the game because of the natural state of turns. You, you change that every turn. It's, you don't just get, you know, that positional advantage, the whole game, you have to fight for it the entire game. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of like, there's a lot more chances for back and forth. You're not going to just get steamrolled. It's it's really attractive in that way. Yeah, I, I'm really glad that you end up ended up finding it when it was in third edition because in second edition you had a little bit of those issues where you know you had three abilities that were basically the same but named different things and the interactions on them were a little odd. One of the things that uh, Matt and uh, Kyle and those guys did is they really tightened that up here in third edition. So I think you stepped into the right edition. The only other game I've come across with a rule set as tight as Malifaux, and it might even be tighter than Malifaux because it's a little bit of a simpler game, is Guild Ball. Um, I think Guild Ball has a really tight <laughs> yeah, rule set. We, we've dabbled with we that. We dabbled with too. Guild Ball and then realized we would all hate each other after the game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It was like two weeks we're like, this game's sick. And they were like, oh, we care about friendship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're all a little too competitive. And we're like, all right, let's break out the abacus. Let's have the, you know, let's get all the red geometry going. Okay, every activation is perfect. And, uh, oh, this is how friendships end. Yeah, there's, there's not enough Adderall in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good game. It's a good game. But to, to, I think what you're hinting at, is, which is my my only thing about Guild Ball, is if you are a number cruncher, if you are a person that, that says, I want I want to dig, I want to see the third and fourth level of this game, you can figure Guild Ball out. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, definitely, that's the, problem definitely the problem. Yeah. We were like, this is great. Oh, it's very clean. The rule set's very clean. And what's happening, it's all above board. So in theory, you look at it and you're like, great. And then you peel the first layer of the onion off and you're like, oh, no. And then the and then you're four deep and you're like, oh, geez, this is not an enjoyable experience anymore. This is now a chore. Yeah. And that's probably just because of who we are, a lot of it. Because we're we're just obsessive compulsive gamers who are like like I said we're magic players that like define so much of how we approach games. We're just looking to win. Yeah, and, and you guys aren't alone though. I mean, it's um, it, like I said, it's a good game, but um, I, I don't as much as I love you know that level of tactics and strategy, especially pregame and you know in game. It um, I, I don't like a game where there's. I'm okay with an obvious, like that was a good move, like, you know, or the obvious, or I think that was your best option with Guild Ball. I think you can prove that was a bad move or this was your only move. You could put that, you could put that game in an engine in five years and that game will be solved. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the chess of miniature games. And I think that's, what's kind of pushed us a little bit back because we kept finding situations where, uh, randomization didn't exist enough. To fluff the differences between players, like pillow the differences. So we have Nick, who's like our abacus, who's just going to solve everything. And then we have Gavin, who 
is kind of he'll be a bit abacus sometimes and sometimes he'll be a bit risky. Maybe me who just shoots from the hip constantly. And so it just these different player bases don't evolve into a meta always. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a problem where you have like you have the number cruncher and then he's like, you know, he's gotten three or four games under his belt and then it's like, okay, well you if you're a new player, you're never ever getting ahead of him. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. ever. You're getting crushed. Right. Yeah. You can't you can't just show up and roll dice. It's just not going to work. Yep. No, I agree. And and again, it all, and this almost ties to what we've been saying about Infinity. You know, for the people that love it, they love it, and that's great. And it's a good game. And Infinity, it's a good game. But if you're of the mentality that I think we're talking about, which is somebody who wants best of all worlds, which is I want a good rule set, I want it to be deep, I want it to be fun and competitive at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat Malifo. It's really, yeah. it is really hard it's on very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, there, there's a lot of di- like, you know, um, horizontal crunchiness to the game, uh, because there's, it's complicated for so many other reasons. Like every character has things that they're doing that are pretty unique. Each crew is very unique. Um, but the, yeah, you, 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 I, I, you'll always be surprised. It will be hard for one of us to get that far ahead and, and to really be able to push, you know, a newer player out. You can kind of show up and flip cards at each other. And it'll be good. Right. It'll be, you'll, yeah. Yeah. And you guys are going to find too, once this, uh, once it gets released, uh, because as of this recording, it's not released. It might be released once we uh, publish this episode. But the other thing that's going to be coming out that you guys haven't experienced yet is the gaining grounds, which is a really uh, annual, Oh, the annual thing that they release where they put out new strats and schemes. They make slight adjustments twice a year to models. Um, Weird does a good job kind of kind of keeping it alive. So kind of the first thing I want to know from you guys is um, who found Malifaux first? Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old Gabby boy. Gavin, how did that happen? Uh so actually, I mean, originally it was back uh, in the heyday when it was first edition. It was like sort of a side game I played outside of uh, Warm Hordes in Northern Virginia. So we had those me- the metal boxes that came out and things like that. Uh, that's when I first was introduced to it. But then it fell off the face of the earth for me forever because I, I moved away from that meta. And then down here, that was not really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Origins 2016. Uh, I, I was up at Origins in Ohio, and I saw their booth, and I was like, oh, no, my money. So, yeah, me and um, my girlfriend, we actually just blew probably $600 on miniatures. You know, we just bought everything. We had, okay, we, yeah. had yeah, we had two crews of basically everything except gremlins because who does that? And um <laughs> yeah, <Uh-oh>. daggers. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, it was it, it was just great. But then we so we bought all this stuff and then we came back here and um it, it wasn't really a thing here. And that was kind of unfortunate at the time. Um and when I started kind of getting into it with some of the players that had crews that they weren't really playing anymore and we we started testing out the game i even got these these guys into it at that point uh, yep. they bought their first cruise and we were kind of actually testing m2 uh but then we found that that wasn't really a good idea we were at the end of a meta we were at the end of a game there was a new edition coming out that kind of cleaned it up because it was overwhelming the the upgrade cards and things like that yeah. we were kind of like ah this is a little messy 
uh, and if this is getting cleaned up here in like a year, maybe we need to put it put it on the back burner. And it's kind of what happened until about three months ago, I guess. Yeah, until the beta, we got really beta, excited about the beta. So then you busted out the old uh, the old models, and then uh, just just got started. Right. Yep. And I'll say I, I, I might have found it first, but these guys have been putting in the legwork of the shop. Uh, they, I mean, Oliver has really been involved with the beta testing. Uh, he really interested in it. Nick has also been crunching a lot of the the numbers, and and I just kind of show up and comment on games because um, I, I was kind of I, I I mean me personally I wasn't too interested in the beta. I I got burned out on that with the CID situation in Warmer Hordes. I was like I'm not getting paid to be a developer, but that was a that was my personal philosophy. So I kind of was like, I just want this to be released. And now we're at the end of it. And I'm like, okay, let's start playing. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oliver, I want to talk a little bit about the shop then. Um, so I assume you guys have a local shop where you guys play. Yeah. It's uh, it's called tower games. Um, it's uh, basically a shop that's like magic card games, miniature games, Warhammer, war machine, um, they had a really big war machine community for a long time. Third edition happened. That's yep. enough of that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then it just kind of, you know, had skirmish games. We, we'd started infinity up in the shop. Um, that community is still going really strong as well. And we've kind of just stepped back from it and let a couple other people run that community. And it still has regular events. Um, but it's a great place just because it's super, super friendly. It's family friendly. Um, it's always immaculate, which is something you don't always see in game shops. The lighting that is makes very a huge. Important. That makes a that's a big deal. Yeah, it's 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 one of those places you could walk in with your family when you're like that 15 year old who's like, yeah, I just want to buy a Warhammer model, and you don't get shamed by your big sister. <laughs> so I think that wins a lot of brownie points. I maybe that's just me. Maybe that was just my experience at a different shop. Two years ago. <laughs> Yikes. That was not in theory. That actually happened. Oh, no, that definitely happened. Yeah. <laughs> You're a loser. Why are you playing plastic dolls? I don't think I got this. Yeah, I guess I am. I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone, yeah. I glue my fingers together. My version of that is my uh, my in-laws are uh, Latin. My And uh, the first time that they uh, saw the third floor of my house, which is where the – we get our name is uh, the entire third floor of my house is devoted to gaming. And they came up and uh, my mother-in-law goes, Oh, Winikitos, which is, which is tiny dolls in Spanish. Oh, and <laughs> so, oh, now, so now my daughter who's fluent in Spanish calls him Winikitos as well. So that's fantastic for you. That's so yeah, good yeah. for your awesome. life story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So what I want to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we get back from our break. I want to kind of dive in to how things, you know, we got an idea how Gavin introduced things, um, you know, by, Again, hating money and spending 600 bucks. Um, and then, you know, kind of brought the three of you in. I want to kind of go to what happened next. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Howdy, folks. Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. 
Okay. So Oliver, now that we kind of get a sense of, you know, where you guys came from and kind of your history and uh, where you play a little bit, what I'd be curious to know is, you know, there's a lot of a lot of guys and gals out there that, you know, they bought some models and they're playing, they might be playing with their significant other, or they've got a buddy or two that they play with. Um, you guys, you know, the three of you, you know, started spinning up when beta started, uh, but it's not three of you anymore. It's a lot more of you. So can you kind of walk me through how it expanded from just the three of you to where you are now? Yeah. So I think the most important thing when starting a meta is consistency. Uh, a lot of it was just Nick, using his work printer, sorry, it's fine, <laughs> to print out the rules, you know, and print out the cards and all that stuff. And then the awesome N3E beta app came out and we're like, well, I guess we'll just play a game. And they were like, well, that was good. We should do that again. And then we just kept meeting and uh, slowly but surely just more people were like, oh, what's that? What's that? And it just, it's like nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. Three months goes by and then all of a sudden it's like, another person gets in and then two people get in and then I come up and there's four people playing. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. It snowballs. It's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. It really snowballs. It's like exponential growth from nothing. It's like, you're looking at a potted plant and then there's a rainforest. So roughly speaking, um, how many people are in your meta right now? We have about 13 to 15. Um, and there's several people who are kind of ghosts right now. There are people who are just like, Oh, I actually have a crew box. Uh, I'll wait till the, the cards come out. Uh, but we have probably eight people who are actively playing from nothing. That's, that's extremely impressive. It really, really is, especially considering it's basically an unreleased game at this point. Um, for you guys to be at 13 to 15 with eight core before release, um, July and August are going to be good months for you guys. Yeah, we think so too. The the shop that we play at is actually going to stock Malfa, which they they but sadly didn't um, for the longest time because obviously we had no players, so they weren't selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they're they're they see what we've been doing and what we've been growing, and they're like, oh, we want a piece of that. So we're finally going to have it back on the shelves, and we have a lot of people starting their pre orders up. And, and every time we're up at the shop, people are talking about crews and trying to figure out what they want to play and asking us all sorts of questions. And it's great. It's fantastic. That's very, very cool. So you, you guys mentioned consistency. Um, uh, l- let's dig into that a little bit. Um, is that a matter of, you know, consistently coming on the same night every week? Or uh, when you say consistency, what does that mean? Sort of, yeah. Showing up weekly, it might not even have to be the same night. I, I believe Nick and Oliver show up about twice a week, um, yeah. some weeks and in other weeks it was, it, they just sort of evolved from playing infinity to playing Malfo that night. And we'd just sit up in, in our infinity group would be watching us play Malfo and I'd be watching them play. And, um, and it's just bringing models to the table and people are always going to be interested. They're always looking for the new thing and, Oh, that's weird. They don't have dice over there. What are they doing with those decks of cards? Oh, let's start asking some questions. Oh, what's going on with this model? Holy moly. That looks really sweet. And, and it sort of is, you know, you'll, you have to sort of put the goods in the window for people to see them. Yeah. Um, and, and showing up every week with your models on the table and doing stuff, it's just going to attract those people over time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the game turns heads, which is cool. Uh, and I think that, I think that definitely helps um, between the three of you who can give me kind of the elevator pitch. So you, you know, the two of you are sitting there playing and uh, random Joe or random Sue comes by and they're kind of, uh, lurking a little bit um and they ask what is this um how do you guys describe it to somebody who you know just walks up that way 
Yeah, I would say it's an objective-based game set in a gothic fantasy setting. I guess a Western Gothic fantasy setting. Yeah, yeah that's it's a tough. lot of themes. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of themes. It's really, it's really saying, yeah. okay, yeah. we lost our elevator pitch, guys. What happened? We lost the pitch. <laughs> the pitch is gone. All right, welcome, yeah, welcome to the elevator. It's Willy Wonka's elevator. We are going to the moon, baby. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I, I, it's funny because when I first, I was, uh, you know, I kind of found it on my own and. At first, there was two things that I came across in Malifaux, and I thought they both were gimmicks, and they turned out to be the two things that I love the most. The first thing I thought was a gimmick was the setting. I thought it was yep. silly when I first came across it, and it and I, and I just thought it was pasted on. And then the second thing I thought was a gimmick was the cards. Um, and to me, they were both barriers. And now that I love the game, and it you know got to the you know to be a player, probably the two things that I love the most. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I liked the cards, actually. I thought they were really attractive, but that was me being a magic player and then being like, oh, I want to do that instead of roll all these dice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. Um, you know, I was a poker player, and, you know, so I understood the idea of deck memory and things like that. Um, I just, I, I didn't, I never thought about it in the terms of gaming because everything I'd ever come across, because I was playing Guild Ball at the time when I found Malifaux, I just never thought about it in the terms of games and between the control hand and deck memory. The first time I played Malifaux, I'm like, I, I, I can't play dice again. Like I, I can't play miniatures with dice. It's certainly, it's certainly something else. And in, in, in definitely Malifaux gives you more control over what's going on than dice do. Because I mean, the, the hand alone, it really cuts, it's cuts down on that randomness that doesn't feel good. There's still randomness in the game, right. but it feels way less bad when I get to go, oh, I have a couple 12s in my hand, and maybe things won't get too crazy for me. If my opponent spikes a card off the top, then I can kind of defend myself. Um, or if I need to push something through really badly, like, you, I mean, it, you yeah. just have more control, which every player feels better about that. The more decisions that you get to have and influence the game with, it's way better than chucking a dice and being like, oh, three ones, all right, well, just pack it in. Yeah, no, I agree. And and the word that I always end up using when I talk to people about it is, is mitigation. You just, you have a way to mitigate things. So randomness is going to happen. You're going to flip bad cards, but, but the level of control and your ability to mitigate the impact of that randomness, I think is a big deal, especially for a competitive player. I couldn't agree more. I, I think that, and it's funny that you mentioned the gimmickiness or the the look of the game because I despised Malifaux models. Oh, yeah. It was that was so my bad. It's so it funny so because bad. three years ago, me and Oliver would always have arguments. And he's, like, These look terrible. I don't know what you're doing. And now I'm like, I want to get all the Neverborn. I want to get all the <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah, we would talk like, about... It looks really cool. I don't know if I just had a stroke or what, but I love the aesthetic now. <laughs> I, I Oliver, Oliver, I'm, I'm, I went through the same process, man. When I first came across it, like as strictly as a painter and a modeler, I'm like, you know, these are pretty cool sculpts. It's, it's, it's not bad. Um, but it just seemed to pasted together. And, but once I kind of started playing and started reading some of the fluff and getting into some of the cards and stuff like that, now I think it's cool as hell. Yep. I don't know. I've always been in love with the aesthetic. I mean, even since original Sonya Crit and Rasputina in those old metal boxes, I've loved the aesthetic. That's awesome. They they were maybe one of the first, I think they were probably the first with really dynamic terrain. I remember having to build actual interiors of houses way back when. Yep. Being like, that was actually important. That was the first time terrain wasn't just 
you know, there to get in the way. It was yeah, like, this is, like a, oh, this is a random hill you yeah. sit on. Just <laughs> yeah. Random hill. Here's my foam yeah. patch of grass, and this yeah. is a forest, you know. Where, where that works, that's really good for games like War Machine, where the terrain's more just an obstacle to maneuver around. This is like, oh, it's actually really good. It's a, Your models actually move between this and, and interact with things dynamically. Yeah, I can't play I can't play Malifaux with 2D terrain. Um, I understand why people do it with Warmer Hordes and why they do it with Guild Ball because of the nature of how those games function. But for Malifaux, I need 3D terrain. Yep. Yep. And that's probably another thing that like games like Infinity have going for it. I mean, when terrain is important, if you're doing a hobby like this, it's it's so important. People don't realize it, they, they, you know, or they do and they look at it and they go, wow, that's really complicated. And then they walk away. But Yeah, it, it, I mean, I again, I get why people use t- 2D terrain, but that at that point, I almost want to just go, you know, go play a video game. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 I there's we're playing we're playing analog for a reason and I want, and part of it is that immersion and putting the time in and the work in, um, to do it. Um, so, all right. So the, you guys, you know, kind of gave us an idea of kind of your elevator pitch. Um, what do you think if you were going to pick one or two things that you think has been, what has attracted those other, you know, 10 or 13 players outside of the three of you, what do you think were the big draws? Oh, I got this. Yeah. So this is really simple. Uh, people are like those models look cool. What's your buy-in? I uh, like thirty-five or fifty bucks. Oh, okay, and then they have a box next week. It's that yeah. easy. Yeah, and I think when third comes out, it's going to be uh, even much more so. And I, and I'll to give credit where it's due. Um, Steamforged has done a great job with that. The way that they've boxed their game, um, it's more than you know. 30, 30 bucks, but still they've made it real simple for someone to come up when the, you're playing Guild Ball. Yeah, you say, yeah, go buy that and you're good. You've got everything you need. Um, and I think and that uh, is weird. a lot like that. Yeah. Yep. It, it's weird is headed that direction. Yep. You, you buy this, you buy your keywords, you buy maybe a versatile model or two to get crazy with it. And then after that, you, you, like, you can play with that forever. It's perfect. If you were to say, you know, so it's one thing to get it to get a guy or a gal to spend 30 or 50 bucks um, to get their first game or two in. And uh, anybody who's played mini games for more than three years has probably done that one or two times and never played again or gotten two or three games in and then just kind of wandered off. What, what have you guys found to be the sticking uh, the sticking power for Malifaux in your meta? I would say people like actually seeing people consistently play. And just the community still existing and people talking about the game and being excited about the game. Because when you have a game that's stagnant uh, or if you have a game that just doesn't have games getting played, I think that that wears people down. But I think more than that, over that's like your your meta, right? That's like the meta narrative that's going on. But in the game itself, what's drawing people is the strats and the schemes. You have people who sit and they're like, okay, I only have Hoffman and I only have Crid. And they sit down, they play a game, and you randomize the schemes, you randomize the strats, whatever, and, or, you know, other way. But anyways, I mean, you do that, and all of a sudden, they have a completely different dynamic. It's yep. different every time. I think it's also just the, the like, there's so many play styles. There are, every crew is doing something 
way different than the others. Even if you're talking about same factions, you have people, we have people picking up same factions, but they have different crew boxes and they're playing totally differently. And it's, it, and so you don't get this kind of faction gut, uh, kind mm-hmm. of problem that you get with other, you know, games where oh yeah, there's like five factions to play from, and okay, so like you get end up with like three, like say it was early Warmer Hordes days, you end up with three like Legion Everbite players and like one Circle player, and then you know one Troll player. Well, that doesn't feel very good. But here, yep. there's there's so many things to choose from, and everyone can really pick up something very unique, and so they get to they get to kind of put their own little foothold down. It's like you know. The Spanish finding America. They're like, all right, I, this is this part of America is mine. <laughs> I am the Victoria player. And then you have like I'm the Hamlin players, and then and, and people are getting to feel a little kind of identity. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're getting to to have their own little corner. They get to play the thing that no one else plays, even though everyone else is playing factions, right? Yeah, and I think that feels good. I mean, it, it feels good. when feels you're good. when you're the when you're the only player of a certain thing. That feels good for everybody, oh, yeah. and and because there's so much diversity, you're not going to see a lot of mirror matches. You're not going to see a lot of like same models. Even if you play a guild on guild, you could have all uh, totally different models. You'll never you, you don't have the same stuff going on, and it's perfect. And I, and I think that fills a. a, a really good hole for a community because you can always have a new player come in and they're like, Oh, we don't have a player like this. This, this box is really cool. Who plays this? Oh, oh nobody. Oh, I, I'm going to be that player. now. Yep. Yeah. And what's cool about that too, I think, um, and this was true in, in two E and I am predicting it's going to be even more true in three is that the game is so balanced that you, somebody can say, I think this box looks cool. And you can say, buy it. You're going to have a great time. Yeah, I think like you're not part, you're not going to get your ass uh, handed to you. Yeah, there's some that are like sliding scales of difficulty, right? Like uh, you tried to play what Lucius and oh, your yeah. brain melted out of your ears earlier this week. Yeah, I uh, couldn't do it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to do the. Everybody talks about how complicated it is. This is great, and we don't have the cards yet. And we and I'm like, I didn't print them out, so I'm doing it off the app. And I'm like, every activation I have to read three cards is yeah, probably yeah. not good for me. So, <laughs> so I think that that might get his ass handed to him because Nate crushed him. But in regards to balance, I think we're probably pretty fine. Yeah. Yeah, And and there's, you know, even within the faction, you have variable difficulties. I mean, if, you know, if someone is new to the game and they think Guild looks cool, you know, hand them Lady Justice because she's pretty straightforward and easy to understand. And then as they get, you know, more experienced, more familiar, as they can actually buy cards and have them in front of them, which will be nice. Um, then you you know then they might want to play a Nelly or you know play Lucius and and they'll be waiting for them you know in the wings which I think is great yeah I think it's definitely a game of uh, of that growing complexity it's not there are some casters you got to kind of or masters or however you want to do it but anyway uh, you're, you're, there are some that you probably want to avoid as a newer player. Um, because they're not even very easy to handhold someone through. Like uh, even yeah. an experienced player is going to have a difficult time explaining how you're going to want to stack obeys to draw a bunch yeah, of cards on right the first turn, and or yeah, or how you want to manipulate the battlefield and positioning. It's going to be a little complicated. Um, you definitely want to want to steer people towards a little more hammer and nails kind of guys. Uh, but it, that's 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 not bad. It just it, there's a lot of hammer and nails out there, so it's. It's just a, a sort of a community building um, thing to be aware of. Well, and to, and to steal your turn, that Hammer and Nails crew is going to be as competitive and viable as your, you know, your complicated, intricate, you know, intricate. I've been playing Malfo for three years. Crew, 
Absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, there's not a benefit to playing the more complicated thing, except that you feel like you're a genius with the biggest brain. Yeah, you're like, oh, I, have the- <laughs> I love big brain. Uh, it's so good. I'm playing control deck and I'm just going to play as control master and I'm just so much smarter than everyone. How'd I lose? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh, no, Pistola. So. <laughs> I was rated dead. I don't get it. She's supposed to be broken. Basically a blue mage in magic, right? Oh, 100%. Classic <laughs> blue mage, always. Yeah, that's that's magic, yeah. All right, that's awesome. So, guys, we're, let's take another break. And when we get back from this break, I want to kind of dig in a little bit um, about, you know, what factions the three of you are playing um, and how you got into them. And then uh, let, let's give some good tips uh, to everybody listening on how to uh, not only build the meta the way you guys so successfully did, but maybe if they've got an active meta, some things they can do to make it bigger. So we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so we kind of got a nice idea um, of, you know, what it is you guys think, um, you know, is unique about Malifaux that's really allowed Malifaux to explode in the Virginia Beach area. But I want to talk a little bit more about you guys as individual gamers within the game. So, Nick, you know, what faction do you play and how did you end up playing that faction? So uh, I'm playing 10 Thunders uh, (laughs) and a lot of it's the look of it initially. And now that I've played all the masters a couple of times, it's really the depth. Um, like, like we talked about earlier, all the masters are so different, but they all are, are doing amazing things. And I really love it. <laughs> like, yeah, some of them are just crazy. <laughs> so right now, Nick, uh, can you give me in order your, your top three masters that you're having the most fun with right now? Yeah. So right now would be, uh, Shen Long, uh, Yan Luo and Yoko, the new the new master they came out with. So <laughs> you're going to get a you're going to get a love letter from uh, Ray Flynn because those are I think are probably his three favorites as well. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they're all really good. <laughs> that yeah. summoner is crazy. Yeah, the summoner is very good too. I don't know. I just, just don't like having five cards in my. Hand. <laughs> Yeah, Yoku is pretty brutal. <laughs> Yoku is is brutal to play against. I mean, the first time you go up against her and you realize what's going on and, and how much she's kneecapping you, it's it's tough. But what I'm hearing from the people that are playing her is that it seems oppressive when you're playing against her, but you don't realize the amount of pressure you're under when you're playing her, that uh, she's not as easy as she looks. No, not at all. Um I mean, it's mostly due her like the stats for most of her models are a little weaker. She really like needs you to have your objectives revealed to get those pass tokens, but that that's not guaranteed to happen. And then you have to like move around a lot. You have to know when you're supposed to use certain abilities so you can mess with her hand. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's tricky. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of these are very tricky, but 
Yeah, Yoko is one of them. Uh, no, I, I've heard that. How about you, Gavin? What uh, what faction do you play, and how did you get into them? I currently play. I guess I'm like the guild player because it's just I, I like their aesthetic the most out of all of them. Um, I, I, there's something about those death marshals, right? They, that box, that Lady Justice box. Come on, it's great. It's it, you have the, the so dynamic. You have this lady with a blindfold on and a samurai sword, and she is just chopping people in half. And these guys are walking up and putting people in coffins. Like, ah, just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lady Justice and Perdita were my first two masters when I bought the game uh, for the for the exact reasons you're talking about. I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. And it just so happens to be sort of a, a play style that I like. I really like hammery type. Just kind of put your dick on the table style <laughs> style of play. Like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to hurt you with it. <laughs> like, so in your crib's like, ah, were you 14 inches away from me? Yeah, with the guilt, the guilt's not going to come at you sideways, right? You know exactly what, what they're going to bring, except for maybe Nelly and Lucius. But even with them, you pretty much know what's going to happen. And what's what's fun as a guild player, because that's where I started, is, you know, you know what my plan is. Uh, there's no surprises and I'm still, I, I, I need you to try to stop me. Yeah. I'm coming. I'm the boogeyman. I'm coming for yep. you. <laughs> it's great. That's cool. So give me, give me the three masters you're having the most fun with in guild. Oh, I probably only have two that I have the most fun with and It's Sonya and lady justice for those reasons. Um, everybody else is sort of like, I, I either don't have enough experience with them or, uh, like aesthetically it's kind of put me off. Like I, I personally don't like the Perdita box, but that's uh, definitely a personal aesthetic problem. Um, they just look a little too jokey to me. I understand that they're mm-hmm. super powerful, but uh, not, not my motif, like not my thing. Well, and that's what's kind of cool about the faction thing is that, you know, you can skip Perdita and you can still be an effective guild oh, player. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and she, yeah, it, it's not like I'm, I'm missing any, you know, that that upfront uh, hammer style you, you you even if i'm not playing her they i have these other two masters that are really interested in doing that and i'm really interested in getting dashel on the table i i oh man that guy looks great that guy looks awesome uh our our two local guild players um here um not only are having fun with dashel as their leader but they're also starting to him to be, he's also starting to show up as a hired master Yep. yep. Secondary master. Yeah, that seems really good, actually. And Very I think good. that's another thing that Guild has in this edition that just happens to, again, be a more of a play style that I, I like, where we we want I end up wanting to take a second master a lot of the time. I think that our secondary masters are some of the best because they are so good at doing what they do. Uh, like it, you, you bring Sonya just as a secondary master and they're like, oh, no. Like, what do you do with that? She's going to go in this lane and she's going to dominate whatever you're doing over there. And you have to kind of overcommit to her because she's pretty tanky and she has this absurd range. So she can kind of just quadrant control this whole area by herself. And you, you have a couple soul stones and she'll be safe. Yeah. Hiring Lady Justice into any guild crew is, is, is going to put your opponent on their heels. Yeah, yeah, she that's just a crazy model. That's, that model yeah, is nutty. Boot handers. <laughs> it's just utterly crackers. Yeah, my favorite part was uh, the first game against Lady J. Oliver oh was playing God. Zip. In his first activation, he was like, I think Zip can just move up and, and blow up the judge. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so he does. He like jumps halfway across the board 
puts a bullet in his head. He, my, my judge is like wounded. I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And then I'm like, well, I guess I'll, since you're close. <laughs> the close being 20 inches away. Yeah. <laughs> since you're close, I guess I'll attack you now. And so I activate Lady Justice. She leaps over a roof and charges him and then just starts wailing on him with their great sword. It's, it's fantastic. He died. Yeah. Uh, through two soul stones. <laughs> Yeah, it um, it's funny, and this is, I think, true of a lot of Malifaux mo- uh, masters and models, is you read Lady J's card, and you're like, okay, you know, I see what she's doing, and she seems to, you know, put out some decent damage, and she seems strong, and then you play against her, and you're like, oh my god, like, yeah. she, it, it feels like she can be anywhere, and she's just erasing models. Yes, it is yeah. very exciting. <laughs> I, I loved the like thirty-page thread in the guild forum for the open beta. It was like, why shouldn't Lady J have more on her attack stat? <laughs> and it just was. I just like, like, man, no one's posted anything in Bayou in like eighteen years. Let me <laughs> see if there's five more comments. Oh, there are. I'm going to read through all these people angry. She's an attack six or seven. Or was she nine? I don't know. She murders people. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's really funny that you mentioned that because uh, uh, there's a one of our players here is Patrick Healy, who's uh, he was uh, featured on our our uh, YouTube channel both for Guild and for Outcasts. Uh, real great guy, um, knows his stuff, and is primarily his love is Guild. And we have a, a group chat here in the NC Meta, and he would lose his mind about the discussions that were happening in the beta for Guild. He's like. Because, I mean, trust me, he wants Guild to be good. Yeah. And like he would like he goes, people do not understand how good she is. And they're complaining about, you know, she's, you know, melee six. And and oh, he was he, he he's going to laugh when he's listening to this because he lost his mind on a regular basis because people were trying to turn Lady Justice into just, you know, a, a, a ridiculous. I mean, she's ridiculous oh, in yeah. times, too. Yeah, so that's, that's very funny. Bunch of those discussions. Uh Personal apology to all of the Bayou for nerfing the ever-loving hell out of roosters. I take the credit for that one. Those were not okay models, guys. Come on. <laughs> so, Oliver, how about you? What are you playing? So, I played Bayou because, uh, like Nick, I really like thinking I'm smart. Uh, but I'm like, Nick, I'm not that smart. <laughs> so... I just like putting models on tail. I look how complex everything is and then proceeding to lose pretty quickly. Uh, so I love Bayou. It's great. You sound like my kind of player, which is you love the game and you're, you're terrible at it. So yeah, you yeah. and I are kindred spirits. I, I think I'm slowly getting there. I'm probably at like a four right now to Nick's nine. So I'm really excited about that. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll be up to seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny so uh what are your top two or three masters you're having the most fun with and by uh, so i absolutely love playing zip he's so much fun uh i throw people in the sky i rip people in half with mancha roja i've got a mechanical pig it's just so much fucking fun uh other than that i also absolutely love somer because good old boys are ridiculous and thematic like you break their booze and then they just stab you to death with the broken bottles uh those are great and then uh i really like zareda but it's a fresh meta so i'm not playing her uh the first time i double activated someone's uh 10 point model and moved it into three people and they just proceeded to murder it and i just saw the light drain out of their eyes i was like oh this is this is from here. 
this is later times. <laughs> yeah, the first time you go up against an obey master, it's rough um, because y- your your little mistakes become really big mistakes really quickly. Um, so you're being a good steward of your meta by giving them a chance to uh, breathe. It, a lot oh, of yeah. shit it was like I don't know, like a three hour <laughs> conversation after the shop was closed. Like the Chick Fil A next door was trying to pack in frozen chicken, and they're like, "You need to stop fucking playing here, dude." I know you like swamp creatures because you're an idiot, but stop. <laughs> yeah, so Ma, Ma's my third. Yeah, Ma's great. <laughs> I love Rooster Riders, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, um, I'm super anxious uh, for uh, either us to take the road trip up to see you guys or for you guys to come down here um, because I can already see uh, – the you know we've got players that, that match up with you guys um and i think that uh, we're gonna have a ton of fun um so let's kind of wrap up here if we can gentlemen i want to kind of summarize what we i think we've learned and uh point out a few other things so um it sounds to me that the resounding success that you guys are having uh, boils down to really consistency and you, and you made a big point that consistency means not playing in your basement but actually showing up at the shop and playing um and it sounds like you know the the quality of the game helped a little bit um and bring that in um but the one thing i, I want to know if there's anything else you know any more juice left to squeeze on this um you know wh- when people were walking up and talking to you or they they say i'm gonna buy a crew or they show up uh, when they show up the next week with, with that crew box, is there any tips you can give to uh, everybody listening that says, you know, this is how you foster a new player. You drop everything and you run a demo game right now, right now, and right now. We we're, you, they show up with their models and you do it right then. You don't finish, you don't finish your game with your friend that you've played a hundred times. You yep. just play with that new player because their experience is going to be very important. And you don't want to bring things that are obviously going to be probably easing them into the complexity of the game. We talked about this a lot personally, um, dropping crew sizes down to about 25 uh, that, you know, not having the full gambit of um, uh, schemes, uh, things like that. Um, That's important because you, you want to you want to be able to navigate a full game within a reasonable amount of time, but also get those players to put their models on the table. Get it, get them, get them on there. Uh, get them moving their stuff. Get them chopping people in half with Victorias. Get them putting out ice pillars with Rasputina. It, you want those players to show up and play. I think that's amazing advice um, because really what you're talking about is making the investment that you're going to, that's going to pay off later. Right. So yeah, you're having fun playing Oliver or Nick's by having fun playing uh, Gavin, but the new guy shows up, you drop everything, you, you make the investment because later on it's going to mean you're going to have more people to play with. Yeah. I think in having the outlook that a rising tide raises all ship is also exceedingly important. You know, when, when Nick shit cans me, it's good for me because I learn, right. Cause I want to learn, you know, and that makes Nick a better player because eventually he is someone who wants to actually be more competitive. He's going to have a higher rate of a game. And it's the same thing with newer players, right? You shouldn't just be like crunching them into the ground. You should be experiencing a game with them, teaching them, not trying to hold stuff back, not trying to have gotcha moments. You should like put your models up and play a competitive game. But when you do something, you're like, oh man, if he does this, it's going to fuck me. Yeah, I like you point it out. You just say, "Hey, if you come over here, you can take my butt right now." I, yeah, this is a great point. Yeah, don't hold your cards 
against newer players. Tell them this model does this and this is what he's really good at. Take your risks knowing that. So if he's a big sniper, if you come to range, I'm going to shoot you with him. Yep. Or this guy is a melee monster and I'm going to, he is at some point going to touch somebody and he's going to rip them in half. So be aware of that when you're moving your models around. Don't let your don't let your newer player move their 10-point model up into a terrible position where it's going to get eliminated before it gets to do anything proactive. Yeah, because they want to do cool stuff yeah. with their 10-point model that right. they may or may not have painted, right? Like, they might have primed it. They might have put their zenith on it. They might have built their base. They yeah. shook their sand and their, their awful Elmer's glue together, and they're like, look at my cool dude. Yeah. And you throw him on the ground and just stomp on him. He's never coming back, dude. He's not. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Let him kill people with that dude, but teach him how. Like don't and, just don't just feed him stuff. Even yeah, even if you don't let him kill things, make him aware of what's going to happen if he makes a bad decision. Yeah. That's sort of like don't let them walk into to traps that an experienced player is going to be able to see. You have to really understand that no, like you cannot expect a new player to know what your stuff is doing. They barely know what their stuff's doing. Yep, that's actually an aspect of this game that I love is that you don't it, uh, winning is not built around gotchas. Um, and there's other games out there that are like that, where, you know, I'm going to do this, this and this, and they'll never see it coming. And that's going to win me the game. And, and, and I don't feel like mouth was built that way. Um, and as a result, it doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't encourage that play. Now, I've never played Warm Hordes, but, you know, you, you have your assassination runs and Warm Hordes. And a lot of times I get the feeling that that's what those are about, which is I'm going to do. A, then B, then C and D. They're not going to figure it out until I'm already on C and I, I'm going to win the game. Um, and it, that doesn't really seem to work in Malifaux. Um, well, that's a big game design flaw in Warm Hordes is not only the turn design, but then because turn design is I go, you go with all my guys, I can set up these ridiculous situations where yep. I'm, I'm, I'm chucking somebody halfway across the map and killing you on turn one because you right. decided to put your guy on the front line. It's a game of Roos Goldberg yeah. machines as opposed to a game of, of games. Yeah, yeah. It's not, a, it's not a tactic game. It's a gotcha game, right. which is a really unfortunate for it because there was a time where I loved it very much. But it, it, in this day and age in 2019, I want a game that's not just going to end because someone made a silly mistake. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make sense. Right. I want, I want I want the tactics to matter and add up. And Malfo definitely allows that. Yeah, and I have found eight, literally eight times out of ten, the person who made the best decisions during that game will win the game. That seems fairly true. That seems yeah. pretty accurate. I would say so too. And I, I like the fact that there's those two out of tens that exist, right? Oh, I mean, they're important. They're really important. And again, I think that goes back to giving in a level of empowerment to newer players. You want to sit down, have a game with them. And then feel like they actually might take a chance. You know, they might be able to do it. Like the guy who I gave the demo game for Vix last week who just shit stomped me. And I was like, oh, okay, well. I, that was pleasing to Yeah. I, <laughs> and I wasn't slow rolling him. I wasn't slow playing him. I was like playing the objectives and stuff. And I was doing everything. And he's like, oh, so I just kill this guy, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, so yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that much is dead. What happens? Yeah, that's cool. So, um probably and this kind of ties into what you guys were talking about with new players um there's a guy, a guy named alex schmidt who uh used to live down here um in north carolina he since moved up uh to dc um one of one of the best warhammer fantasy players uh here in the u.s when that was a thing um and then he became considered one of the best uh u.s uh malifaux players and uh i am pretty much generally considered one of the worst um 
And uh, he and I, I he, some of my favorite games of Malifaux were playing him. And it was because Alex, he beat me every time. But not only at the end of the game would he talk me through some stuff, but even in game, he would talk me through stuff and make me see the game differently and 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 walk me through it. And, and I think that this ties into what you guys were talking about. Be generous. Um, be generous not only with new people, but be generous with people that are like me who love the game but aren't very good at it. Um, you're going to beat them. Uh, so don't stress about that. And, um, by being generous to them and sharing some of your knowledge, you're going to grow a better meta and you're going to keep the game that you love alive. And it's going to grow a more competitive meta too. Cause we want to like grow our meta and then just go and shit stomp everybody. That's our goal. I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing down in Raleigh, but I mean, we just want to sweep the country like a awful boggy tide you know virginia beach just sweep it across the us faux tour uh is going to launch here um and uh at nova and uh that's going to be a thing that we run here at third floor wars which is basically the uh the us masters um we've got all the different conferences and everything and we're gonna we've uh we did the beta last year um then we put season one on hold because of uh you know, the switch in additions. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys get ready because, uh, we're in different conferences. We're in the Carolinas conference and you guys, um, are in the, uh, the capital city conference. Um, I believe it includes Virginia. So, Hell yeah. um, those of you that uh, aren't familiar with it, just go to uh, the website, thirdfloorwars.com and search for USFT and you'll find uh, some of the info and I'll have a new video and a write up on it coming out. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll face off um, and uh, the masters will be um, next summer and it'll be uh, here down in Raleigh. So it won't be uh, too, too much of a drive for you guys to come down and lose. <laughs> Did you just say you're the worst player? What's happening? What's happening? Got He's our silent juggernaut. We're going to take you down. Yeah. All right. So, guys, if uh, anybody wants to reach out and talk to you some more um, or wants to follow you or uh, get some more uh, of your thinking, is there, uh, are there any plugs? Yeah, we have a group. Uh, it's just called Tower of Games Malifaux. At some point, we might rename it to be more agnostic to the boggy Virginia Beach area. But, uh, yeah, that's the main one. Um, obviously, you can always message me on Facebook, uh, Instagram also. I post all my painted stuff there. Um, you know, I'm happy to, to give advice on, you know, fellow Bayou. I know, and, you know Nick and Gavin are happy to give advice on Ten Thunders or Guild or just to talk. I mean, we had an hour-long conversation yesterday on Hounds. We're like, we don't think they're bad. And everybody else does. We might be wrong. Just just to be clear, Oliver, there's there's only room for one good really good painter here on the East coast. Um, so you and I are going to have to talk offline. Yeah. It's Eric Swinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so far. He's won a uh, war machines, giant one. He's in our shop. So, uh, <laughs> oh, is he really? Oh, yeah. I got to see his stuff. He's, he's, he's our mentor. He tells us all our models are bad. It's great. Well, dude, I saw your Gracie and it's gorgeous. Uh, absolutely he, he gorgeous. He's like, yep, this is the best thing you've ever painted. He's like, here's your, and I'm like, okay, all right. That's the first first painted model of yours I saw, and I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm going to have competition at the uh, at the tournaments now for uh, best painted. So yeah, it draws eyes too. I put her on a table, and three people walk over, and like, that's a cool pig. Yeah, she's pretty sweet. She says, "Zombie." Well what? done. All right, guys. So we'll, we'll put links for all of that stuff uh, in the show notes. Uh, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. Um, and really, you know, hats off um, to, to put the time and the effort into, um, you know, building a meta is, is, is no small thing. And I think uh, for our listeners out there that have been frustrated, I think the big takeaways are, you know, go to the shop, play on a regular basis 
and be good and generous to the people that are showing interest. Um, and you too can go from, you know, just you and your buddy playing to, you know, having, you know, 10, 15 people playing on a regular basis. Uh, so take care, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. All right. Be good. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on The Third